Paul Price with the argument. Um, thank you all for joining us today. Um, the, as you know, the argument's a new podcast and YouTube channel from the ISA. Um, I've got the two uh, utterly distinguished guests to talk to today. Uh, this is uh, Gordon Cooper, who's the director of consulting for Mega um, in North America, as well as Michael Sufus, who's the director of enterprise architecture for McKinsey. So we probably couldn't have two better experts in enterprise architecture on, and uh, I'm really glad to have both of you. So thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Um, I wanted to give a chance for uh, for each of you to kind of introduce your role a little bit, maybe to the audience. Let us let us know what what you know what what your purview is, and uh, maybe also a short word about EA. What is you know what is EA to you, and then and then we can kind of dive into some of the uh, deeper topics. Mike, you want to go first? Oh, okay. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Mike Sufis. Um, I work for McKinsey and Company. I, I've been in the IT industry for close to 35 years, uh, at McKinsey for close to 30. Uh, the last couple of years, about six years, I've been focused on enterprise architecture uh, and trying to basically help our, our internal product teams uh, address the business needs that are you know, we face every day. Excellent. And uh, I'm, as, as I said, uh, my name is Gordon Cooper. I'm the Director of North America Services and uh, Customer Success for Mega International. I've, uh, I've been in enterprise architecture and GRC for somewhere around 30 years. And uh, luckily, one of my, the, the best thing about my particular position is I get to see what a lot of different companies are doing with enterprise architecture. And I actually get to share that information between these individual companies as customers. Now, see, I, I find this to be um, these are these are my favorite kind of panels because we've got someone who has to to live with their enterprise architecture, and then we've got that visibility into enterprise architecture at at, at an industry level across multiple companies. Of course, McKinsey sees a lot of that as well uh, in your EA consultative practice and. Uh, I know that you've told me uh, that that you have a really great sharing capacity for both your internal and external EA practices. So I think I think with the you know this is going to be a really exciting conversation. Um, I want to start with the basic question, which is is how is the you know how has EA changed and where is it going? Basically, you know, like what. It, 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 EA 10 years ago was this sort of big, you know, top-down, uh, you know, tool, model the enterprise, architect the enterprise thing. Uh, how do you see that having changed or has it changed? And, and, and where do you see that going over the next 6, 12, 24 months? Gordon, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll, I'll start that one off. Um, what I've seen is the shift away from enterprise architecture being a discipline that's about enterprise architecture, right? It's It's been kind of removed from IT or it's moving that direction. Um, yes, technology runs everything. Uh, businesses cannot operate without technology, but generally speaking, technology is not what companies are doing. They're not selling that as a product. So basically what enterprise architecture has taken on 
is more of a, or this new generation or next generation of enterprise architecture, what it's evolved to is really more of a gestalt uh, model. It's a pattern. It's, it's more than just technology. It's become uh, greater than all of the component parts put together. Okay. From my experience, I mean, I've, I've seen enterprise architecture kind of move away from the old notion of the enforcers and the, of, of standards and, and compliance and more of enablers and, you know, the consultative within an organization to help, you know, within, you know, an organization to help business units, you know, achieve their goals and direction. Um, so we've been moving away, or at least I've noticed uh, kind of this moving from you know the you know your standards and your frameworks and more of kind of um you know obviously less from ivory tower more of to basically hands-on design and 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 development work uh we're not getting into the details of the technical architecture or the implementation but we're working hand in hand with product teams uh ensuring that we have you know greater alignment across different teams across different products and leveraging capabilities within the organization uh and and promoting the idea of reuse and, and and standardization, but not so much from an ivory tower, but from actually, you know, uh, working closely with with the different teams. See, I, I think that's uh, that's a really exciting that's a really exciting kind of a, 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 a you know development because we, we we you know we heard so much for so long about EA and the ivory tower and all of that, um, and then we saw. A few years ago, pressure from both the agile transformations as yeah. well as the digital transformations pushing architects into kind of a different space. Um, how closely do you work with, say, your business and your solution architects um, on a day in and day out basis? And, and, and how do you see that those relationships uh, occurring? Well, I think, I mean, personally, I, you know, I'm seeing that, you know, we work close, I work closely with solution architects and technologists and business unit leaders on a daily basis, uh, mm -hmm. you know, understanding their needs, driving, you know, towards conclusion on certain big issues and, and concerns, you know, and also it, it's a, it's, it has been a major focus of our of mind to basically understand what are the different, you know, strategic levels that, uh, or areas that we should focus on and make sure that are included in our product development. Whether it's you know you know have a greater emphasis on cyber and risk controls, uh, whether it's basically a, a bigger emphasis on design, so I, I think you know I it's it's less about it's more about facilitation the creation of of architecture uh, and architecture. It's not just enforcing it, uh, being a guide and a and a and a, and a coach of of, an, of architecture. You know I'll, I'll, what else I've seen is also that now EA is providing the why, not just the how. So as they work with the solution architects, you, you provide this, I know the new, the new word right now is composability. So people are, they have mm -hmm. these building blocks, they have the ability to assemble these particular solutions, but EA is not just providing those patterns for reuse or those components or building blocks, they're providing the driver, the why, the strategic value behind it, because now, People are looking at things in a way that, how do I improve my business and architect surprises out of it? And I, I see that a lot, especially with solution architects. 
do you, do you see EA then as a as the, as a kind of demand shaping activity? Then I mean, if you think about sort of value streams and 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 the and the kind of composable, you you were bringing up the composable architecture, uh, which I thought was a wonderful article uh, that we published in in Architecture and Governance. Um, do you, do you do you see the 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 EA is becoming kind of a a demand shaping activity, really helping to triage between strategic activities, uh, more you know run the business, maintain the business, grow the business kinds of things, and are we getting more are we getting more uh, voice in that kind of uh, in that kind of selection? We are. This next generation of enterprise architecture is that. It's strategic design. So it is being driven by business needs and outcomes. Mm -hmm. And it is providing that strategic uh, capability of your enterprise to be able to conform or to adapt to situations, to adapt to market forces. That's what all the resiliency efforts have been about that we've been a part of uh, over the last two years, I think. Mike, you've seen that same kind of thing. Y'all, y'all are working in that same area, right? Yes, I mean, we're definitely seeing an uptake in terms of the importance of you know focusing on particular business domains, and and helping to push kind of the thinking around uh, of you know how could those domains basically achieve certain you know um, levels of 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 you know differentiation to help our organization grow, and 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 I think that's where we we play a pretty active role. So if, 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 if that's the case, then as you build stronger and stronger business relationships, do you find the, tech, I guess the great, the, the great question uh, in architecture is always this balance between business and technical skill, right? And how do we maintain uh, how, how do we maintain being an architect um, while also driving, you know, our business skills? And I know that you've had, you've got, you've got a lot of great things to say about the the, the human side of it as well, the the ability to grow that. Um, so, I mean, how do you how do you maintain those competencies in your architecture teams, and how do you see that that being shaped? Uh, in the, you know, Gordon, in the, in the other customers that you see? Well, I see one of the biggest use cases that, that we're seeing right now, and I'm not making this about a tool, I'm making it about what people are doing. And they're doing a lot of capability-based planning. So they're using mm-hmm. architecture concepts. They're using the, the layered risk management, or integrated risk management, to get a complete picture of what it is that they need to do to improve capability. So yeah, technology is how they deliver the capability, but it is not the capability itself. The capability is whatever it is that you do as a business. It is the outcome. Technology supports it, and people are, are seeing that now, and capability-based planning is, is uh, exemplifies this shift because now they're trying to figure out how to develop new capabilities or transform existing capabilities, and it's done through strategic planning of not just uh, technology, but also how you do business, operational processes. The, everything works together to deliver this kind of strategic shift.
And, 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 and Michael, I, I, I mean, you and I spoke yesterday about this. You, you push this notion of human skills a lot. And, and, I, and I, wanted, I wanted to hear what you had to say about how do you develop those leadership communication skills necessary to become a truly successful EA? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think it's, it's it, you know, having those soft skills are a critical aspect of any successful, you know, architect or, you know, enterprise architect. I think being able to communicate uh, very complex um, technical, um, you know, ideas or thoughts in, in, in simple forms. I think a lot of times technologists, you know, and, and coming from an engineering background, uh, generally, you know, kind of fall into the trap of, you know, talking a lot of, um, you know, not being able to kind of communicate the technical aspects of what they're trying to build. And it, and it leaves people, you know, behind. Uh, it makes people feel uncomfortable. I also think there's a balance of basically uh, ensuring that, you know, uh, ideas are shared and, 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 you know, and, and, you know, fully thought through and mm -hmm. that, you know, even the smallest details are discussed in the open and people can contribute to them actively. Uh, but, you know, you know, enterprise architecture, I think has suffered, you know, over the years because basically there's a mystique around it for years and people just didn't really understand. I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's comprised of two complex words. Um, but, you know, kind of breaking that down to where, you know, anybody, you know, and where the business could really understand what you're trying to achieve uh, and not basically using tech terms helps to go a long way to assure people that, you know, we're understanding, you know, their needs, the needs of the business. And we're just using technology to help, you know, solve those needs. See, we've got a great couple of questions from the audience. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and ask those, too, because, of course, the three of us, I think, could keep going on. I, I've got a thousand questions for you guys, and I think we could keep talking. Um, one of them, though, is I think right along what we were just talking about, which is um, what does it what does it mean by enterprise, and then the the verb the verb the the architect part? I mean, it's we 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 put this stuff in front of the word architect, right? Software architects, cloud architect, application architect, solution architect, information infrastructure. I think we've cataloged something like 25 different titles. My favorite of all time was SOA architect, which you know when you spell that one out, just 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 I find humorous. Um, but the, the but but what do you guys think of when you think of architect and then you think of what does it mean to be you know the enterprise part of that um is it a career path is it a you know do i come up from some other place is it a, a competency framework what, what you know how how would you characterize the uh, the the verb arc well, it, the, the, there is no verb architect. The the verb version of architect is design, but the the architect part, and then the the, the enterprise part of that. I think that's just a a really critical question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know it, it's a challenge. Uh, I mean, I was certainly challenged when I was first asked to basically think about enterprise architecture. Uh, you know, what did that term actually mean? And you know, I've come to. to Conclusion that enterprise just really essentially means the people, the processes, the data, and the technologies that help a company achieve its outcomes and its goals. 
Um, you know, I, I think, you know, in, in the IT world, enterprise was used for a myriad of reasons and, and terms and product names. Uh, and it may have been enterprise architecture was considered a product versus a, a discipline or a, or a set of actions. But right. I've always viewed the enterprise to kind of just mean, you know, well, more or less, you know, what to take to run this organization and achieve its goals and outcomes. How, how enterprisey do you think the architect should be? I think this is the, 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 the I, this kind of what we were talking, alluding to yesterday, which is the sort of, the, the, there was the older version of, uh, the, the, we used to hear presentations where it was sort of, we're going to architect the enterprise, right? Um, and we'd hear a lot, we'd see a lot of these big models and we would go in and we would work with sales and operations and all of this kind of stuff and we would architect. But then we got we, we got a lot of pushback from that because we're not we're not in sale. We we don't have 20 years in sales or operations or finance or whatever. So when when you think about your your role in helping an organization create its, its strategy, or when you see your clients use Mega to help organize its strategy, what is that sort of architect ownership piece? Like what what is the piece that we get called in and we have a seat at the table for these days? Is it is it documenting certain things like uh, you know uh, capabilities or is it more strategic advisor on digital or is it uh, like where do you see your you know the call to action that makes it so that people don't start the meeting until the enterprise architect is there so first let me go back and say that enterprise architecture actually is a way of life it's it, yes, you can say it's a discipline. It's, um, it's, 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 it's a calling. It's like it's, it's like one of you in the priesthood or something, right? <laughs> it's a perspective, right? It's a perspective. It's holistic. It's being able to look at the enterprise, which if you to quote John Zachman, Zachman always said that the enterprise is what you do to make money. It is an enterprise. And if you think about what a business is made of, it's made of all the pieces that work together to help you make money. Now to architect something like that, uh, used to the, the whole uh, philosophy was the enterprise architects were those guys that were stigmatized. They were back in the back room and they were drawing up all these cool diagrams and these big spaghetti mm -hmm. bowl looking things. Mm -hmm. And people were like, yeah, that's fine. Good. These guys must really be smart. Sorry, I can't really use that to do anything. <laughs> so the transformation for enterprise architecture has turned into something that, yes, we can provide graphical representation of something that you really want to know about. We can tell you what surprises you're going to encounter or help you architect the surprises out. And I think that's why people need the enterprise architect in a room. It's not just because I understand how these two applications communicate together. It's because, yes, that's very important for data privacy and security and risk management and all the other reasons for that but the fact <laughs> of the matter is how does this information help me make money and an enterprise architect can help you do that because they tied it to the business and that's what's most important now that i'm seeing that in the shift from of, of the new enterprise architecture 
I, I, I love that description. My, Michael, what are, you, I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, I mean, it kind of goes back to the skills discussion. I mean, I think it, it's up to the enterprise architect or, you know, to kind of communicate, you know, to, to a wider audience of basically, you know, how does the organization uh, run? What does it leverage? What does it use? Um, and, you know, once again, that's based on the whole concept and notion of people, processes, data, and technologies. But then understanding, like, you know, where are their gaps? Where are their, where are their you know, overcome, you know, where are their complexities? You know, where are their efficiencies? You know, try to identify areas where the enterprise, you know, where, you know, they could basically, uh, you know, make impact by just introducing, you know, new ways of doing things and new ways of thinking of things. Uh, I mean, it is challenging. I mean, I think you made a really good point. You know, one enterprise architect, it's really difficult to really understand the nuts and bolts of a, especially large organizations and large firms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and generally, that's why I, I kind of like the, the notion of having, um, you know, this notion that we've been experimenting with, with domain architects, which are focusing on specializing on specific areas of the organization and trying to help uh, their, you know, become more efficient to basically do things differently, maybe to simplify the environment, to focus on certain areas that have been, you know, you know, challenging or problematic over the years. I mean, I think things that, you know, come to mind, you know, is introducing kind of like a framework to tech that, you know, because that was a major concern of ours and, and, and of, of, of people. Uh, and, 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 you know, coming up with a consistent framework to help measure it, to identify it and to address it uh, is one way of, of reducing complexity, if you think about it. You know, Mike, I'll, I'll jump in on the tail of that because what I I saw in our conversations when you and I have spoken in the past, um, what you guys did with how you're developing out the, the architecture practice, I actually am seeing other companies start to do that. Um, and so I've heard some people call it micro or macro target operating models or operating models, the same concept that you were just talking about. It's taking a subset either of the business or a way that a company operates, the systems, the processes, and the people, and architecting what that needs to look like and help you decide, uh, you know, develop a roadmap for how to get it. You, you know, I, I love the way that you guys are. Yeah, there, there is this notion, obviously, we've, we, we, we were talking about the article and composable architecture, and one of the big stru- 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 structures in there was value streams, right? Customer journeys, value streams, and capabilities. Um, which gives, you know, in any large enterprise, we may have, especially things like banks or whatnot, I mean, we may have 20 value streams. We may have internal value streams or development value streams that, that support them. Um, and I, I, But I love the way that you're talking about what, what to me feels more horizontal than vertical. So, you know, EA, SA, and, and BA always felt like a kind of like a kind of a, a, a like a vert you know like a vertical line like we're up here and you're down here but this makes it sound a lot more like we're working together on a stream of activities that have value to a customer um and that the domain ea actually we may have chief architects of different kinds of things, which is something we've been talking a lot about. But I like the way that, I mean, to me, it makes it sound like you're thinking about value stream architecture, 
right? And we've got maybe X number of solutions being worked on in that value stream and our EA uh, and potentially our BA are working together in a very strategic way to make sure that those value streams don't get optimized by themselves. They don't become they don't become siloed value value streams, but they that you're really talking about an architecture practice where we're all kind of working towards the same goal. We just have focused on different horizontals. Does that is that is that a way of thinking about it, or it's just is is it just my interpretation? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think I think the idea of like I, I said earlier, um, it's difficult for any one person to understand. You know, I guess the innate workings of every value stream, especially like I said for larger organizations. Right. But I think you know, architects focusing on specific business domains gives them the ability to kind of focus on that domain, understand it, and, and become true partners to the business unit, units. But yeah. it's also important for those architects to also communicate and have this kind of community among themselves so that there's a, a broader level of awareness across the domains. You know, and that's where you, you could start basically seeing the you know, acceleration of sharing of ideas and technologies, of frameworks, uh, of approaches. Uh, because, you know, once again, you know, I mean, you know, there are the integrations or themes between these domains where you want to make sure, ensure that, you know, there is a seamlessness between, you know, as it flows from one domain to another domain. So I'm going to switch back to a couple of audience questions because I think they, they, they fit right in. Uh, given the, uh, Richard uh, Coulard asks, given the future direction of EA within the enterprise, what what now is the is the hiring profile? Where do we where do we get these people from? How do how do we create them? What's the what's the you know what do we do? Well, we have a farm down here in Texas where we grow those guys. And so you just have to know when the next crop is weaned and ready to go. I've, I've been to that farm. I thought they just grew a whole bunch of uh, muscatel there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of good tequila. <laughs> no. you know, where, are you where are you in Texas, by the way? Oh, I'm I'm in a little town called Crockett. So a little oh, north. Man. I tell you what, I miss the accent. You know, I'm born and bred in Texas myself, so so it, it it's quite nice to hear to hear a, a Texan accent again. Um, <laughs> I can't get rid of it, so you're, you're stuck with it. Sorry. <laughs> my, my, I can get rid of mine until I start drinking beer, and then it's all it, then it's all cowboy again. But um, so it, uh, let me follow uh, let me follow on with that. So, how are you creating new EAs in your organization, and then how do you really see that happening in the companies that you have visibility into? Mike, I, I'll let you lead with that one. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, it, it, it is not a simple, I don't think there's any simple approach to it. I think, you know, most of the EAs that I've, I'm familiar with generally kind of start obviously from a tech background. And they, they usually basically, you know, align along, you know, one of the kind of, you know, whether they're strong software developers or strong, you know, information management or data architecture. You know, they usually have one or two, you know, spikes, you know, whether it's, you know, in one of those, you know, architectural domains. Um, right. 
but they like I said, you know, earlier that the emphasis on the softer skills and the communication skills, the problem solving skills, the ability to, um, you know, work collaboratively across different um, groups of people. Uh, I think those are critical, and I think we look for we look for for people that, you know, have you know good tech skills, come from a good tech background, strong communication and problem solving skills, but also, you know, frankly, you know, you know, grasp business concepts quickly, and you know, are you know, and I, but I think the key. Uh, you know, trait in any person or any 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 character that in any proud person is having a level of inquisitiveness and and willing to basically you know you know do research on their own you know um, pick up uh, new things and new new topics quickly. Um, I mean, we have programs that we've been promoting in terms of you know technical competency models and leader leadership models to help people focus on areas that uh, you know to, you know that they need to grow in. Um, but it, it's it's an it's not an easy find because you know I find that you have a lot of really good strong software engineers uh -huh. that want to remain as software engineers but like the idea of the enterprise architect title uh, uh -huh. and they basically get, you know kind of caught into you know falling back on well I'm I'm here to basically build you know an application architecture That's, you know. We, we've done about four, we've done about fourteen hundred uh, competent. Uh, ISA has the the competency model that we we built many years ago, and we've done about fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred or so of these assessments now, and and it's really interesting to see the split of skills. Um, across the different titles of architects, right? So the software architects, you see this, you know, less business skill and more tech, you know, more IT skill. Um, human dynamics and business often show up in the in the BA and the EA space. Um, but but it has been very interesting to see um, the the how people try to progress that over the years. Um, I have one CIO say, and I was kind of curious what you think about this. I have one CIO say, basically, anytime an engineer walks into my office and says, I understand what we're building it. I just want to know why we're building it. Yeah. I immediately volunteer them to become a part of the aspiring architect program. It was like the moment we start asking why instead of how or what. It, it, it's like it's like that architect. It, it's like Gordon was saying that sort of that arch architecture is a is a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's a something you can't get rid of after you start. You know, you start doing it. Um, let me uh, let me let me ask uh, a, a, another couple of questions here because we're getting we're getting quite a number of of questions from the audience, and I want to get a chance to to have them ask some. Um, how do you take the domain approach in a company that has multiple business groups, uh, but using the same domain? Uh, it, it might wipe basically, are, are, are BA and EA the same thing? Um, how many of them do we need? How do you, you know, how do you, how, how do you say, like, we, we basically were a scarce resource, right? In, in any company, I don't know how many you have at McKinsey, um, probably more than most because of the consulting aspect of it. But in most of the organizations we see, it's somewhere like 1% of the IT footprint is architects. Um, how do you, how do you think, what do you think the ratio and the layout should, should be like 
in uh, in kind of the modern architect uh, practice. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I've, I've heard and seen this question, you know, on a lot of forums. Uh, you know, in terms of you know how many EAs versus solution architects, how many EAs. You know, I, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule, or it, it's easy to come up with, because I think it really depends upon the size of the organization, mm -hmm. also the cultural aspect of the organization weighs heavily into it, and where that organization mm -hmm. is in its own life cycle. I mean, obviously, a startup is a lot different than a matured organization or a matured company. Um, right. I think it's interesting, you know, for organizations that have multi-business units, each with, you know, like, you know, finance departments that cut across those business units, obviously. You know, an interesting model may be, uh, I would have, you know, I would suggest maybe possibly domain architects, but have a kind of community of interest of all the domain architects, you know, that are focused on one particular domain. You know, I mean, or if, if the business units, there are smaller ones and there are larger ones. I mean, I, I guess you have to look at it, you know, what is the type of work going on with each business unit? Are each business unit, you know, you know, undergoing transformational efforts? Because I think if you have a lot of transformational efforts going on, you definitely want a dedicated EA in that space um, to kind of help with that. But the idea of having, you know, multiple business units, uh, I think, you know, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, a federated model may work. Um, mm -hmm that sense where you know you have you know one or two dedicated EAs across or you have separate EAs and then have a community of interest around those EAs. But, I gotta but, be honest with you, I, I've seen about as many models or organizational structures for this particular uh, question as we have customers. It's mm -hmm. just it's one of those things to where it grows organically and whether it's organized by domain and then governed by an architecture council or whether it's governed by a chief EA that has a staff of EAs and then domain architectures outside of that. Or like Mike said, if, if there's an EA who is responsible for a transformational effort, I've seen every flavor of this. And the question you asked about business architecture being part of EA, same thing goes there. I've seen business architecture be part of operations of the business. I've seen business architecture part of EA. I've actually seen business architecture as part of marketing, which was right, right, right. at first it sounded strange, but if you start thinking about it, it's you're talking about the strategy of your company. So it actually made sense after I decomposed it. It's funny. I, we, one of the questions I always ask when we go into the, we, we, when we go do architecture assessments of organizations is is how many architects do you have here? And the number of times that we get the, uh, I don't know, there's about five in our group, <laughs> is really interesting to me when when you find out that there are 150 there, they just don't know they exist because the BAs are over here and the EAs are over there and the SAs are over here. And they are all reporting to different people. Um, and, and I guess this goes to that question of, of of um of practice right so how do you see especially as we go to a more fragmented agile um enterprise right so i want to kind of bridge the scaled agile question now right so we're, we're scaling agile across enterprise after enterprise even to the point where they're 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 building you know like uh, HBR did a whole thing on on Bosch and how they're building engines in an agile way. 
How do we as architects then create a practice that connects those dots? Because, uh, you know, I, I, I see us getting as fragmented as, you know, like we're all over the board, to your point. Um, what do you do? I think, Michael, you, you were talking about how well uh, McKinsey shares architecture practice in both with its external consultative architects as well as with your internal teams. Um, how do you maintain that practice, I guess, and, 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 and really grow it and, 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 and make it more mature? Yeah, I think community building is certainly an aspect of all of this, and 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 it has its challenges, especially when you're a multi you know multinational uh, organization. Uh, but I think you know very you know simple steps of understanding you know you know who is it, who is an EA what you know who is their title you know who has a title of architect you know and and basically making sure that you have kind of you know um you start kind of you build you start off small and you build these communities slowly um and you know it, we do quite a bit of of you know uh, thinking around having consistent um skills assessments and 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 forums and and discussion capabilities uh, i mean we leverage things like slack quite a bit we leverage email quite a bit and and, and distribution list um we are, we're, you know, we have, we're probably slightly different than most organizations because, like I, you know, mentioned, we have those EAs that focus on working and serving clients, and then those architects on internal clients, internal business, of which I'm part of that group. <clears throat> but we leverage, you know, like I said, we we, we do quite a bit of community building, uh, you know, by just understanding, you know, who who sees themselves as, as a EA practitioner. And, and having these outreach programs and, and meeting with them regularly and having conversations um, and building training, you know, even having, you know, consistent training capabilities. Now, this is, you bring this up and you know, this is a passion of mine. So I apologize for my, my soapbox, but I'm, uh, but, but Gordon, I'd love your thoughts on this as well. Michael heard me talk about this a little bit on our call yesterday. The, the organizations of the world all, uh, especially the ones that employ architects and grow them, um, generally from software engineer or from infrastructure person or data person or, or even from business analyst, um, we all grow our architects a little differently, right? Um, McKinsey, BCG, BCG Platinum, you know, um, KPMG, Microsoft, IBM, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all grow our architects a little differently. Um, do you see a way for us to start getting a unified competency model? I mean, I, obviously this is close to my heart because this is something that, that I, we as a professional association are are dedicated to seeing you know it's like if i if i get an arch if i get a building architect in arkansas i'm going to get roughly the same kind of person as if i get a building architect in manhattan i mean i may they, they may differ in vision they may differ in the style of what they would would design for me but i'm going to get kind of the same thing right if i get an oncologist in oklahoma i'm going to get roughly the same thing as if i get an oncologist in france well but I mean, let, me, let, me, let me interject there um what you're talking about is moving ea from being an art for from art to science and yes 
And while you can make that transition and you can teach people how to approach your enterprise from an EA perspective, there's still a fair amount of art in that because it is about vision. It's about the ability to make connections and to put all of this analysis that you've put together and present it in such a way that it can make a difference. So mm -hmm. yeah, you can, you can train people how to put the information together and develop the analysis. And that's really one of the most important things that an EA can do. So if, if you're growing, quote unquote, growing an EA, that's what you want to teach them. You want to teach them how to identify the component pieces, how to put those pieces together and understand and analyze how they work together. But to find that chief enterprise architect or to find that, that strategic designer, it is right. a fair amount of work. Yeah, well, and the, you know, I mean, the same goes, if I, I always do this test at the beginning of class and I say, imagine I give you $10 million, but you, you can only use it to build the house of your dreams, right? Just that's the only use you can have. You, you, I'm going to hand you $10 million. What's the first thing you're going to do? And, uh, you know, universally, people say uh, I would go interview about 20 building architects and decide which ones had the vision that I have. And I have this I have this wonderful book. I always I always I always put it up. It's called The Architect Says, and it's a bunch of quotes from building architects. And I'll, I'll send both of you a copy because I just. You know, I think you'll both love it. I, I, I read it all the time, but you know, in there, it, it really talks about, um, it, it talks a little bit about like the differences in, in the visions, you know, you, you're gonna get different outcomes from chief architects. You know, there's only, there was only one, um, what, what are you, what are you, you know, only one um, or two kinds of architects that could have created, certain buildings, right? So the famous architects from around the world. But I'm talking about the science part of it, right? The average building, uh, the, the average um, office building is not designed by, um, you know, some world right. famous architect, right? It's, it's here's how you do it. It's here's how you design it. It's here's what the supports are. And I guess this is the question that I have is, as we start to conglomerate more um, as we, if, if we think about, if we think about, let's say I'm, I, I work for Walmart, whatever. I'm the, the lead architect for Walmart and I'm going to hire, I'm going to hire mega and I'm going to hire McKenzie and I'm going to hire cap Jim and I'm going to hire Microsoft and IBM and I'm going to have all these people, but then I end up with really radically different versions of the word architect. And I guess I'm just wondering, um, and I think a lot of our listeners are wondering, how do we go from this pure art to this craftsmanship, is what Neil Ford called it, um, to more of a repeatable basic, I mean, the basic science. I'm not talking about the superstars, right? <clears throat> there, there is no, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I think. When you when you talk about it that way, I think you got to think about apprenticeship and mentorship and coaching. This is you know? yes, and I, I think you know any any I I, I think a, a seasoned or a, a a tenured enterprise architect should also be looking out to basically you know looking for you know his his more or less you know growing 
the discipline where he can or she can in, in their organization. So I think apprenticeship is an important aspect of almost any any kind of professional profession. Um, but I think in, in enterprise architecture, because of you know the mystique around it and the naming around it, and you know and and how it's changed over the years, I think it's 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 more critical today than ever to basically ensure that you know as you're working on a particular project or an effort, and it's kind of like what you mentioned before, where that you know with that uh, I think the CIO you mentioned. Where an engineer asks the question why if you see that is to basically you know help that person basically you know kind of start thinking about their area and and how that is you know you know can you elevate that to think about it you know from an enterprise architecture point of view you have a really strong engineer that's a great software architect right start basically, you know kind of encouraging them to start thinking about you know not just the software components of the solution but other aspects of the of the solution we got a one great we have one great question here too is can you ever have someone who starts their career as an enterprise architect or do you really have to start as an architect and work your way and apprentice and mentor to that to to that role i mean you know i know i can start as a, i know i can go from a software engineer to being a software architect i know how to do that that was my gig it was, you know, you start asking the questions why, and all of a sudden the engineering part of your brain shuts off a little bit, and you start looking at business, and you start thinking about that. But do you see us ever having just a, I started as an EA apprentice, or, or you know what I mean? Penn State, uh, they still have that, uh, that program. They've got an enterprise architecture master's program. There are a couple of colleges around that have this. And there's other institutes where you can go and be trained. Now, generally speaking, you see people who, who start in one of the domains and work their way across. Mm -hmm. And it only makes sense because you have to really have to start with an understanding of how things are put together. It's just it's no different from a house. If you're building a house or a building, you, you need to know someone. You need to have someone who is familiar with code. I, and I don't mean software code. I mean building code, for instance. And then they apply that building code. Now, as long as you can train this person to think of why they're doing it the way they're doing it, so you're applying this, this load capacitor because you don't want to burn your house down, right? right. That's the concept that you need to, to bridge to in order to take someone from being a domain architect or a, uh, like a, an application architect or a solution architect into being an enterprise architect. Like, like you said, it's the why. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a certain level, you know, you, I think we have to be aware of, there's a certain level of, of credibility that we want to basically make sure that we have. And I think that credibility comes from experience. I mean, I think there's two aspects of credibility in any organization. I think it's one is experience and then your internal network or your your, your networking. It, it, and I think a successful EA brings those both to bear, you know, you know, and be, because basically an EA's top job is probably influencing more than anything else you know and, and you leverage communications and frameworks and tools to basically and and, and problem solving skills to, to help influence decisions so I, I think you know also part and partial to that influencing capability is have the degree of credibility that you are you came from somewhere 
you know, you weren't born into you weren't born an enterprise architect. You basically built <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> you know, and then and then you have this network that you could leverage where you basically could reach out and get help, whether it's from internal people or external people. And it, it feels like a lifetime of learning too. It, it it's like. Um, you know, I have a couple of friends that are doctors and they say, well, you know, I spend 80 hours a week working and then I spend another 20 learning, you know, and that's just my life. Um, that, that, you know, that brings me to a, a, a question, um, uh, which, which we, you know, we've kind of danced around the role and all of those kinds of things. And, and I think we've got some really amazing talks about that. Um, Post-COVID, or as we exit some of the worst parts of COVID, uh, and we deal with rolling lockdowns and some of those kinds of things, um, what do you think the most important trends, uh, focus areas, and uh, work that the modern EA should be focused on, right? I mean, um, whether those are technologies, um, tool sets that we need, portions of tool sets that we need to be focused on. I know we've mentioned, uh, I know we've mentioned um, the uh, capability models, uh, but where, where do you see us needing to put our, our energy into, you know, modernizing, pre preparing for post-COVID kind of digital life? as it were, or the digital enterprise? Um, well, let me just, I'll make this short and I'll let Mike take, take this question as well, because what I see right now across the industry is a very heavy focus on resiliency efforts. Because, and, and when I say resiliency, I mean, you have to know how everything connects. The processes connect to the capabilities, connect to the applications, connect to the technologies, connect to risk, to connect to everything, so that, I mean, I'll go through a concept of murmuration where you see these flocks of birds that react. There's a, there's a concept that I'm working on deploying and that's called scale-free correlation. And basically it's the ability for your enterprise to adapt to a market or a, an external force or change simultaneously. And you do that because everything is connected and you have this communication or understanding how everything works together and reacts. And that's, that's why I say resiliency. That is a very powerful concept. Do you think that's going to be, before Mike, and I, I don't want to interrupt, but do you think, do you see that becoming more board visible? Meaning the, the, the being visible to understanding how the enterprise is resilient down to the, decision-making level? If it's not, then it's not really resiliency. If it is not visible from the, from the person who's sitting at the, at the keyboard putting in transactions all the way to the, the risk committee or the board of directors, then it is right. not resiliency. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think adaptability could be the, the new kind of norm organizations i mean i think you know evolving and adapting to you know changing ways of working and mm -hmm. how to get products out uh how to basically serve their 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 clients and their i think adaptability is is something that we see um you know, you know in everything we do in terms of um you know the technology landscape um you know i think you know we're going to see a lot less 
um, kind of, you know, uh, you know, relying on the old ways of doing certain things, mm -hmm. uh, being able to change uh, depending upon situations as they occur. I think, you know, we've always, you know, IT has always been, and technology has always been about evolving. It has on business, um, but I think even more so now, you know, after uh, post-COVID. You know, I had a I had a, a a very good friend of mine who is one of the well uh, is she is probably as much a mentor uh, as I have ever imagined, and she said to me, "What I need in my architecture is flexibility. I need to be able to go buy a company, or I need to be able to go sell off a portion of my company." Um, are we going to see architecture as and and I mean. I mean the technology, the technology side of architecture, right? So, um, I always think about I always think about finance about seventy years ago, right? Finance seventy years ago was this sort of back of the house, you know. I, I once watched I don't if you watch Good uh, I don't know it's called Goodfellows anyway. It was about a marketing agency, and uh, they were introducing a new uh, a new employee, and they said that's the finance department. And if you ever see the CEO go in there start looking for work because it means we're going to be audited and it means the government's coming at us. Now, as the tertiary market and the investment market emerged, finance has become effectively, if not if, if effectively, one of the most powerful elements of any organization, right? And no finance, I've never had a finance person walk up to me and go, do you like our financial strategy? You know, like, do you approve of it? Um, as 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 we become more digital, and as uh, as as more architects become uh, more business capable, do you see us spreading through the enterprise in the same way and leading these kinds of technology strategies um, in in the same way that you know that finance or operations leads financial strategies or operational strategies? I mean, is are we that arm of the of the of the business, you know, do does enterprise architecture end up becoming this kind of financial, you know, strategically valuable digital enablement kind of thing post COVID? Is that is that what our primary role is, or are we still in the helping the company visualize its overall strategy kind of mode? I mean, does that question make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And it's something that I've said for some time that the the shift of enterprise architects from you establish the patterns, you build the, the building blocks, you have the reference architectures and reference models. Really, where is it that you want to be? Where are you going to bring the most value? It's going to be when you're evaluating emerging technologies or disruptive technology that are going to be able to apply to how you make money or do business. That's where the enterprise architecture sweet spot is. See, I think that is a quote that, that needs to go out, you know, like we're going to take that quote and we're going to put it on this podcast because I think that is a really essential. Now, Mike, do you agree? What do you, I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think enterprise architects should be working hand in hand and helping to guide and helping to find and identify opportunities as much as possible. Uh, I think going forward, you know, you'll find is, you know, 
constant, you know, partnership between the architect and the business and identifying, all right, where should we be going? What are the right strategies? You know, how can we help facilitate those, you know, that but when, journey? But, but when does the, and apologize for interrupting, but but when does, when do we become the business, right? I mean, for so, for 20 years, we've been using the, the, the business as, as a, kind of the experts and they know they know the business and then they give us our requirements and then we go build things and do things when does it become to the point where we're i mean driving business cases ourselves and we're saying no we need iot devices do here we're going to need an alexa skill there we're gonna we're gonna need you know like when do we get come out of the closet so to speak and start being the business um, when every company is now a technology company. Yeah, I think I well, I I, I couldn't give you an exact date, uh, but I you know I think <laughs> I don't think there is an exact date. April twelfth, two thousand and twenty-three will be the date. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, it's it's a, it's a provocative question um, in, in in multiple ways because basically, you know, I think enterprise architects will will partner and continue to be working with the business and be part of the business. And I think, you know, maybe that's what's missing is that you know it shouldn't be considered a distinct um, group or a distinct function or a distinct offshoot of technology. I mean, I think you know, architects should be part of business units and should be working with them. I mean, and, you know, we get into the centralized versus, you know, federated models of, of architecture functions. But I, I think, you know, an enterprise architect will eventually become as necessary for an organization as, you know, a controller. So let me, let, me, let me end on this, because I know that we have to end on this scenario. I've got two questions. Uh, one is, is more of a, a scenario, and I just want to get your reaction to it. And that is, okay, you're the CEO, and your VP of marketing and your VP of sales come into the office, and you've had a killer quarter. You just nailed it, right? Blown it out of the water. Blown it. Sales have just gone through the roof. Everybody's happy. And you say, I'm so happy with the two of you, you know, you're both getting bonuses, I'm flying your families to Hawaii, whatever, right? And the VP of marketing looks over and says, well, I really appreciate that. And of course, I'll be happy to take the bonus and the, and the trip. But honestly, um, really sales did everything, right? Sales is the business, they, they made this happen. I think you should take our budget and really just give it to sales and then we'll ask sales for when we need money for marketing. And sometimes I get this sense that we have this mentality still, this, you know, they're the business and we're just here to sort of go, and we're just here to sort of, you know, we always kind of say, oh, and then they did, you know, the business really did such a great job when, we went, We may have been the ones who actually came up with the idea in the first place. It, it, and I'm and I'm wondering if we don't if if we don't see a little of that, or if you guys don't see a little of that in the in the IT mentality today. I, it, it it it's a scenario that has has been in the back of my head for a while, and I just threw it out there to just see what kind of, what a re reaction you had. Yeah, those are the EA groups that get defunded. 
So, yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen EA try to be the selfless group that, you know, it's all for the good of the company. But actually, what you wind up finding is after EA gets disbanded or defunded, people start going, well, what happened to all that valuable information I used to get? Oh, that was the EA group. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I never knew what those guys did. So Mike made a really good point early on in the conversation when he said it's about soft skills. If as an enterprise architect, you can't explain what you do for a living and you can explain your value to the company. I, I think one of you guys had a quote from yesterday about the, the scrutiny or the uh, constantly having to justify what you do. Well, yes, yeah, sometimes actions speak louder than words, but you actually need a script to go with those actions so people know where it is that you're trying to take it and what your value to the company is. And if you can't communicate that, you're going to wind up being relevant in life. So I'll end on the on, on a question then that says exactly that, 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 that just to get your 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 views. Um, the continual challenge of demonstrating the value of EA, this is Stuart, uh, Stuart Scott, which metrics should a future EA practice track to demonstrate the contribution they make to the organization's success? How do we show our value and in, in, in any kind of dashboard style? Is it, you know, faster projects? Uh, the, the number that's, of that, that's a con that's an hour conversation plus alone. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I, you know, we, you know, I think there's a maturity level in terms of EA functions. You know, they usually start off with some, you know, some matrix that are really founded in technology. Like, yeah. for example, you know, tech, you know, debt reduction, application rationalization, reuse of right. technology. Um, I think the out. I mean, I think really it boils down to the outcomes. It become it, it really has to be tied to the business outcomes that you're trying to you know help. Achieve. Um, I don't okay. think that's a best rule. Um, once again, I think it's 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 a complex topic, I and mean, we 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 grapple with it ourselves. Um, I think it, it's basically it's you know how well are you collaborating you know and working with the different teams that you're working with, and how well are they achieving their outcomes? Are they making you know, are their efforts basically really changing the way the organization is, is working? Well, Gordon, you run a tool for, for architecture, and I assume there's a number of dashboards in that tool uh, that, that help to show differences and changes in heat maps and things like that. So maybe you should have the final word on how does, how does Mega show, help, help architects show that value proposition? the best way for and it is a perfect example and it's i'll go back to capability-based planning so the best way to show the company how you're improving their station is to give them the heat maps that you've generated on capability assessments and then show how those initiatives are improving your capabilities or developing new ones and incorporating emerging technologies and disruptive technologies into these capabilities and it's all proof in the pudding when you increase your market share. Well, I think that was a great way to end this conversation. I'm going to invite you both back and maybe even have a, a, another guest uh, just on the value of showing the value of architecture. Um, I'd, I'd love to bring um, 
one of our business architects and one of our software architects on as well to really talk about the the nature of the architecture practice. So you guys have been an amazing um, guest. And I think given the number of people that have stayed on the entire time, um, then that, that, that the audience will have agreed. Um, for those of you who are wanting to see this uh, later, we will be publishing this on the Argument podcast, and we'll put that out uh, and send that out to all the registrations. Uh, we'll also be, uh, about a week later, we'll be posting this to the Argument YouTube channel. And uh, Gordon, Michael, thank you. This has been an absolutely stimulating conversation, and I really appreciate the time that you've taken with us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye. All right.